All right, Kev, it's great to have the band back together. Uh, talked a lot on Monday, um, but it's good to have have my buddy back. It's good to see you. What's going on, man? Where in the United States are you right now? Right now, I am in uh, North Carolina for a couple days. Um, I went. I was traveling a little earlier in the week, as you mentioned. I listened to your episode, by the way. Very nice work. You kept it to 11 minutes, too. We have a hard time keeping it short, so probably a little easier, I would imagine, when you're solo. But um, yeah, I'm in North Carolina now. I'll be heading back up to uh, New England tomorrow. So uh, excited to be back, but uh, nice to, to get away for a little bit as well. But yeah, excited to be back on uh, with you also. Awesome. Well, we got a ton of golf to talk about before we get into our duos uh, duos discussion. But I know that you said you had a you had a hypothetical about borrowing clubs and, and a little story. So let's hit it right off the bat, man. I've been curious all afternoon since uh, since you brought this up. What's going on? Yeah, so um, this is an interesting story. So I'll preface it sort of with, uh, so my my mom and my stepdad have both recently uh, been getting into golf. They're they're still you know kind of beginners, but over like the last couple of years, have been playing more and more. So recently, um, they actually went down to Myrtle Beach and did like a three day like golf school uh and like had a private coach and played on a couple like you know took lessons on a couple nice courses it sounded like amazing but basically so my stepdad um is the exact opposite of me so he is left-handed like single-handed but he golfed righty and in the beginning of his lesson or or just like as the day was going on the coach noticed that he was doing everything like one-handed with his left hand and he was like well why don't you golf lefty you know like why are you golfing already and so he actually convinced convinced him to switch over to to playing lefty so like wait a second crazy right yeah (laughs) all right so like he he hasn't been playing very long and like i I wasn't there so i don't know how the conversation went but yeah he basically he convinced him to switch so while he was taking all these lessons like he was using like a rental set that they had down there he bought like a whole new set of like a lefty clubs and he's been playing lefty now for like the past month or two basically um but so what happened he he had the uh the tailor-made sim 2 driver uh that he was using as a uh right-handed player and then i like that club yeah yeah right (laughs) i know you use that club as well and he obviously when he switched to lefty he ordered the same club but but the left-handed version and uh so he was hitting with it a little bit i I think he was saying he was at the range took a couple swings and all of a sudden like just heard like a pop and basically like in the back of the club head there's just like a a huge crack and the thing just like split down the middle pretty much like the the club's just done so he went online looked up like he had bought it used um and the club i guess came out in like march 2021 whatever it was going to be like it was just past the two-year warranty that he had but he got on the phone with or like on email with the tailor-made rep he's talking to the guy and the guy's like basically, oh, just send me the member number. Like, we'll send you a new club. So he was like, wow, okay. That's but he doesn't great. have it, right? Yeah. No, no. So he so he's got it. So I'm down yeah. in North Carolina right now, and the club he he's on a sailing trip, so he's not even here. The club shipped, so it was in the box. So he he was like, oh, he's like, oh, you know, like I wanted to see it, what it was, and he knew already that they were going to be sailing, sending him a brand new stealth two driver, like not yeah. not oh. the sim. They sent him like a brand, like a brand. God, I'm kidding. Yeah. 
<laughs> so like they signed in this brand new club and and so the the part that i wanted to ask you is that he was adamant so like he he knows this stuff is coming in the mail but he's on this sailing trip till sunday like he's not gonna get to use it he said to me specifically you know because now this is a lefty club like i can yeah it. that's he right said to me like three or four times like he knew i was gonna be golfing while i was down here he was like please use the club please please like he's adamant about me using it and yep. my you know I, in, in my heart, I just could not do it because what, what I said was like, if something were to happen or go wrong, like, I don't think it would obviously, but if it did, I would just never be able to forgive myself. So my question yeah. to you was just curiously, like, if you were in that scenario, would you have used the club for the first time use, or would you also have not? So my fear or trepidation, I think, the, so the ultimate answer for me is yes, because of the, <laughs> the repeated emphasis that it's okay but I will say I would be uptight about taking the first swing and hitting the first ball with the brand new, somebody else's brand new club. That's, that's yeah. like sacred. But if he waves, like, like he doesn't care about that, then I got to do it. I got to do it. But yeah. with only because only because you said he gave you like explicit permission, I would not like take the club and use it without permission. And if you, if he were just like, I would never, I would also never ask, can I use this? But correct. No, I think that's a good, that's a good way to put it. I just, um, yeah, I, I also would never ask. He he offered. He even asked my mom several times, like, you know, is Kevin going to use? Did he use the club today? Was he going? He he mentioned it a few times before, a few times after. So I didn't know if I made the right choice or not. But I felt like better just to be safe than sorry. Uh, and yeah, I feel like if I got a new club. I don't know. I, I think I would maybe offer it to someone else, but also like I kind of kind of would want to get that first swing myself too. So I don't know how, how I would do if I were if the roles were reversed. I guess. But yeah, I, I gotta say, if the roles were reversed, I know my answer like definitively. Like I gotta take the first shot with it. I know that's like childish, but there's just something about it. You can't let somebody have the first. Like yeah, I don't know. It's just it's very it's very symbolic. It sets a tone for a very important relationship. That's right. Uh, That's right. Also, but in your situation, like there's also a scenario where you go and you use it and it's just like the greatest club you've ever used. And now what? Now you hate Then it accidentally driver. makes it it makes its way into my bag for the That's what I'm home. saying. That's like, oh, you know, here's 700 bucks I now have to, you know, spend, like <laughs> trade in for this. It's yeah, so that would be a that would be a bad scenario as well, but but also uh look at TaylorMade just skipping right skipping the old model and just coming out with you know brand new stealth to stealth twos everywhere so that's what i was wondering too like but but do you think like them sending that club do you think that they're just like oh like that's gonna be good like word of mouth advertising for us or like you just think they don't care like they have enough of them like uh, maybe they're not maybe they're not producing the sim two anymore it would be more money to like reproduce one than it is to just like give him you know one that's i'm sure they have a bunch yeah. of but do I need to start checking my warranties here on, on some yeah. of these players? Like I'm just saying, you know, if they're going to send the new, you know, black P seven nineties to me, one of my clubs is sort of, you know, coming loose a little bit. I just want to get yeah. that out there in case somebody those, those black clubs look sick. Also, oh my by the way. God. <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't, I used to have the, the trusty rusty wedges back in the day, like the, the pistol black wedge. And I hated it so much, but I looked at those and I was like, just, oh my God, they look sleek. 
But yeah. speak, actually, that reminds me. So I did golf today, actually, and I, I was on the side of one of the greens, and I saw just like a missing. You know how people leave clubs behind all the yeah. time on the side of the green. Yeah. So this was like a, a right-handed wedge, but on the back of the club, it said it was called Old Hickory, and it had a wooden <laughs> shaft. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So it's from an old, an old set. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's a good find. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, that that is um not one you can just sneak away with. That's I, I guess for that dude, like everybody's gonna know that's his. Yeah. Yeah. No, I returned it to the clubhouse, and the, I returned it to the clubhouse, and the lady was like, "Oh yeah, he's left this behind before." <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. All right, dude. Wow, that was um that's pretty crazy, and I'm actually now gonna now gonna actually talk to Taylor Made about this one this one club, but. Let's get into some real golf. Let's start with another tailor-made athlete and just get this depressing ass news out of the way early. Uh, breaking news today, Tiger Woods done for the major season, probably having fusion, fusion ankle surgery to go with his already fused back. I didn't even know you could fuse an ankle, but uh, devastating news. And just like, took that surprisingly hard for knowing he's really not really contending anyway and that there's not really a chance of that happening but this probably closes the door on that so now even like my one percent that was always like up for every like major thinking like this is going to be the one where he can just suddenly walk (laughs) when that's been proven otherwise i think this is a uh this is probably the end of tiger the contender and like the beginning of like tiger the like the legend, I don't know, not, not like a nostalgia act. Like he'll still make cuts, but there's just no way this is ever going to happen again. Just Yeah. It, incredibly sad. Uh, no timetable for the return, obviously, but you know, serious surgery not, doesn't look good. And it was nice just to see him like play, you know, still be able to play, even if it was just to like make a cut and you still, even if he like, if you know he's good enough to make a cut, you're always going to have that like little glimmer of hope that maybe there's a chance he can win like one more time. I don't know if it's a realistic thing to to believe or or to hope for, but you know, just this kind of feels like uh, you know, having the surgery just feels like very uh, almost puts like you said like a finality on it, kind of. Not to say he's never going to come back, but you know, just how many more of these can he withstand and and just trying to rehab and come back and. Yeah, it's just unfortunate to see, but, you know, we're not uh, short of Tiger moments and memories. So, um, you know, you know, it was going to sort of happen at some point. So just try to remember the good times and and, yeah. you know, hope he hope he can, um, you know, compete competitively again, you know, as soon as possible. So, yeah. Wake, wake Thursday, funeral Friday. That was a uh, I feel like we just got very, very somber right there. But. <laughs> I just I felt like after after that that Masters win, which is now like the last big moment. If you had set like I was just like okay, we're gonna win like two or three more of these like just easily. Just never happened. Yeah. He, yeah. he will be he will be missed around the game, which um, you know I guess is a weird transition into the second thing. I really had some strong thoughts about that I saved for tonight. Is his his replacement as sort of the head of. Uh, the PGA, Rory McIlroy, I would say, if you had to pick one player um, who moves the needle the most right now, I think it's probably Rory. A no-show at the Heritage, a reported $3 million fine, and you probably know where I'm going to stand on this. Like, just so hypocritical, in my view, to push for all these events to be the most outspoken 
and and maybe not his fault that he's the leader because he's that by default, but to be so brazen and so outspoken about it, and then to break his own rule, the you know the rules that he helped set up to just throw away three million if that's if that's true, and then there, there's been like no reason, and I guess I've just found it weird that there's been like no leak, there's been no statement from the PGA, there's been no statement from Rory. Like, did he just skip? Is he hurt? Is he exhausted? Like, there's just been nothing, and it was a weird way to to skip an event in a format that he sort of spearheaded. But then to have this sort of eerie, you know, no, no update at all, just, just vacuum of, of activity. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like he's like dropped off the face of the earth for the past like couple week, a week or so ever since the masters miscut. But yeah. um, I think I remember this was like a earlier episode, but I remember a line that you said um, discussing Rory and bringing him up. And I would think the exact phrasing that you used was I'm getting a little tired of like the self-righteousness basically in terms yeah. of like regarding the list yeah. of and the speaking out on that kind of stuff, which, and which is like definitely fair, but then also like you have to now, if you're, if you're going to come out and say these things and like be so adamant and that's the stance that you're going to take, then you have to show up at these events. Like, of course I understand the, I'm sure that the the miscut of the Masters was devastating, but like I I don't know, like he, he just he doesn't seem like he's in a very good spot, and um, I'm kind of mad at him for selfish reasons as well because I just can't right. get him right. Like <laughs> that's true. Anytime just, you trust him, he just he, he just screws you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, I don't, and I don't know if it, he just has so much like pressure put on him in like these majors now especially the masters not having won it yet and it just seems to like weigh on him i guess or i I don't know it just doesn't seem like he's in a like he's in a good spot with his game or his headspace or he has too much other stuff going on or i I don't know what the deal is but it'll be interesting to see here i have the the pga odds pulled up right now and he's still third like 10 to one that's it's Rom and Sheffler yeah. above him. But like, I, I don't think deservedly, I can think of a, you know, a handful of guys that I would pick over him at this, yeah. at this stage. So, yeah. And this is going to sound probably like a little first takey or like hot takeys, you know, skip Bayless type stuff. But I also feel like there's a part of me that wants to sort of say, like, if you're going to come out and talk all this, uh, you know, talk all this stuff in front of the media and be this big, tough guy and talk trash and then no show every single big event so far, basically, like in terms of in terms of his play. That's just a little a little soft for me. It's just very, you know, very anti Tiger, because I do feel like Tiger had moments and there was nothing like social media didn't exist. But I know there were moments where he had some bold interviews. Uh, you know, I think we like in our nostalgia, you know, Tiger, we talked about that one uh, with um uh, who like one of the one of the Curtis Strange the Curtis Strange Strange yeah when he's like yeah like I just expect to like win like every tournament and and he sort of got laughed at but then he you know went and backed up every single thing he said and that's just like such a when you're talking about like the greats and the badasses of sports and the legends like I feel like that's a common theme is there's not there's not a shrinking in every big moment especially when the expectations are the highest. And Rory's just been like the opposite of that, like MJ Tiger, um, you know, like figure for for now, like the most important stretch where he's been at the top of his game and with this with this, you know, big controversy happening. It's been it's been disappointing. 
for somebody with so much talent to sort of shrink like that. Yeah, for sure. And what what was the fine? It was a significant fine. I mean, not for three million. Like three, three million. million. It's yeah. like I, I I think it's I'm not sure if that's a fixed amount or it was like a part of the the pip money that he won or something. But yeah, three mil, which has not been confirmed. And I know like there were guys that came out and said like, well, what what is this? Can you just take our money now for like skipping these? Like, and so yeah, they, they, I'm sure there's some annoyance there with the PGA as well for just not not doing anything to sort of get in front of this. But, right, but interesting to see what comes up now, like these next sort of next couple of weeks, see, you know, which events he plays in and, and how he does at the PGA because uh, it does not look good right now, but we'll see. No. But, yeah, Rory and finding people not, in my opinion, the PGA's biggest issue right now, we have seen the, the unification of the entire world behind a common cause. I know me and you were exchanging texts the other night about, you know, what significance this is in our country's history, where you can get everybody of all affiliations, of all sides of the political spectrum, you know, you name it, everybody that's different is coming together to hate one thing, and it's Patrick Cantlay's pace of play. And we mentioned it at the Masters, and it was bad there, but I feel like it went crazy over the top uh, right after the Masters. Um, and then into the heritage, uh, I've seen so many scenes with his his driver waggle of like 45 seconds and some of his uh, some of his routines at the Masters set to like Happy Gilmore's putting where he's like, you know, it takes Happy Gilmore less time to putt out on the fourth green than it does Cantley to hit a driver. But I, I found some stats for this weekend and here are some crazy six plus minutes uh, to hit that ball that rested against like the dock on number 14, yep. six plus minutes, which is just like outrageous. And then there's also a cell phone video going around where uh, he's hitting a shot behind a tree and it looks like everybody's taking pictures, but then you see the camera and it's everybody's stopwatches out two thirty to hit a punch shot around a tree. And it's just, it's out of control and it needs to be stopped and it's not been stopped. And I know Fitz came out and said, like, it's appalling that it takes like five and a half hours to play around now. But this is why it's it's literally just him. And yeah, it's out of yeah. control. Yeah, it's insane. I don't I mean, it just has, has reached a whole new level. And it's almost like a joke, like the PGA has rules like in place to prevent this. Mm-hmm. And they just blatantly do not enforce them at all whatsoever like they quote sometimes put people on the clock which it's a i joke. don't know what that means yeah they're just they've never actually like assessed an actual penalty for for taking too long yeah the, the stopwatch videos are hilarious just so funny like watching it's almost to the point now and this has actually inspired one of my uh pairings for later uh the, the thinking I have, behind it i have one too so this yeah. would be awesome this would be awesome <laughs> But yeah, no, it's almost like, is he leaning into it now? Like, he obviously knows that it's the case. Is he like just going to try to push the envelope as much as he can until like he's like, okay, like you're going to make a move at some point? Maybe. I don't even know. But yeah, the the Masters was bad too because he was, what was he in the group in front? He was in the second to last group, wasn't he? Second to last group. And those guys were roasting him the entire day. Like if looks could kill, like the two fastest players in the field, could <laughs> the this yeah. dude was out of control. Yeah, so just uh, just insane. I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't get to watch a ton of the RBC 
honestly. But did you see the shot from Rom? Uh, like the backwards sort of. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, up against the water. That was insane yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Go ahead. He had another great week, I thought. And in commentary, I'm, I don't know if you obviously didn't watch, but he went to commentary on Sunday. It was awesome at commentary, too. So he I just, heard, I saw something about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what his uh, exact statements were, but. He was he was just smooth. I mean, nothing. I don't think there was anything super quotable like that. You know, you'll you'll see Twitter and some of the things that are that are trending there. And it's like, you know, I just love golf. And but I just thought he was smooth and and like personable. And and it's weird. You see some dudes go into the commentary or try anything media, like do like a desk show or do like a guest analyst. And sometimes it's like so like just forced robotic, like sort of um, just not real. Like I think of remember Jason Witten on Monday Night Football. Yeah, like that's what I picture like a bad transition to be. Like it's just it sounds just not like two people talking. It sounds like somebody trying to talk about football rather than just doing it. Like Rom was able to just flow with like Emil Main and and just yeah, just just be smooth. Yeah, he's great. Golf skill. He's great in front of the mic as well. Almost to the point. Almost like he. Rory always seems like very thoughtful when he speaks, like he's eloquent. And like, I think that's a part of why people like him a lot, but that to your point, as you mentioned, just like not backing up some of the stuff that he's saying is really, um, especially with his play. Like you have to, it has to be the play accompanied with the media interviews. Right. And Rom, like just, he, he's so good at it. And obviously of course has been backing it up with his play, but like, the the quote i mean i forget it was after he won like his third tournament in a row it was just like the one question was can when you're at your best like can you be beaten and it was just oh, like yeah. nope yeah. Next question. <laughs> like just just so good but yeah yeah he's a killer and he'll be in our uh our duos our duos pairings which i want to get into i sort of went into the the um the tournament itself and in that field do you have any any quick thoughts about the Zurich and the, the team event, who you like, any, any like, uh, you know, dark horses, I guess. I know I went over into that some in some detail on Monday, but. Yeah, not a ton. Um, some, some definitely interesting teams that I like for sure. Um, just kind of looking down the board. I mean, I like interesting to see uh, Morikawa and Homa are interesting to me. Um, obviously two guys that like, have been i mean had a great start to the season kind of wavering a little bit now both like california guys kind of interested to see how they uh perform together obviously a ton of talent on that team so i would not be surprised to see them play well um the yeah the point you mentioned about fitzpatrick and his, is it his younger brother um, yeah playing with him? Yeah. yeah yep that's an interesting one to be watching as well um and then who else did you say on Monday? Oh, Tom Kim and uh, and Siwoo, right? Kim's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good, that's a great one as well. Uh, no, nah, not not really too much. Um, it's an interesting um, kind of just like difference of format is, is good. I think it's a little tough to like predict who's going to play well just because you don't. I, it's kind of similar to like the match play in my opinion, where like it doesn't quite pan out like you would normally mm. expect it to all the time and i think that makes it a little hard to, to sort of figure out who's going to play well uh, but i'm interested to watch it for sure just for the sort of novelty of it and just get something different but yeah all right dude speaking of the team event 
let's get to it. We uh, we sort of tasked each other here with just coming up with some like fantasy golf duos and and a reason for them and how they would fare, et cetera, et cetera. I had a really good time coming up with this list. And I almost like by the time I was done, I felt like I had a high school like superlative section in front of me. Like this is the best group. This is the most fun group. This is the most talkative, like something like that. So I'm just going to get right into it. I'm going to give you uh, what I thought would be the best group possible in terms of just entertaining golf value. And it's Jordan Spieth and Phil Mickelson. And if you want to see just some crazy ass shots hit dudes in constant trouble, um, or let me put it this way. If you find fairway green two putts and move on a boring style of golf, you will not get that here. Um, and then the creativity in the short game kind of bond, like bonds these guys, I would say like they're sort of both known for that. Um, you know, their wedge play, their, uh, their, their desire to play some very risky shots, uh, maybe against conventional wisdom, so I just think that would be a super fun uh, group to watch. Um, I don't know if they've ever played together in like a Ryder Cup. I can't imagine I haven't seen that. So I, I'm going to say they haven't, and they probably won't in the future, given how Phil stands. But yeah, in terms of like the ratings draw, that would be my number one ratings draw for a golf tourney, Spieth and Mickelson. Love that. Yeah. Did they, I believe they played together on Sunday in the Masters. Is that correct? Or, yeah, they were they were in the same group. Shot a best ball fifty eight. Like both, yeah. just like uh, it's just yeah, they're just they're just fun to watch. It's just so against the mold of like good golf that also ends up being good golf too. One hundred percent. Okay, um, yeah. So I teased this a little bit earlier, but I I paired up um, Patrick Cantlay and, Patrick and this is Reed. a big. Oh, Reed. okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right almost so the reason almost. why the reason why is because i think well you know i mentioned is Cantley just using this slow play stuff to sort of like almost is it to his advantage like is he playing mind games with these other players like what's going on there and then so i paired it with p reed who's obviously you know not yeah. shy about using any single little part of the game to take to his own advantage i'm yeah. sure that he would be happy to, to play with Cantley and and let him just sort of do that so that they could could try to gain any uh sort of advantage that they wanted so that's sort of the what ultimate it, troll group right there too and easy easiest to hate like group yes. of course as well yeah you got the you have like the deadpan like no zero personality of Cantley, and then reed is almost like kind of like that as well but he's just like if you do hear from him it's just like the whiny complaining like or yes. almost like arrogant uh like i've never done anything wrong in my life when obviously we know you have right uh so yeah that would be an interesting interesting group uh for sure my patrick reed will be in a group of mine but my favorite thing about him is when he is caught just blatantly cheating and blatantly like breaking the rules I almost admire like his just total denial, like to the death. Like he's always just has never fessed up to anything, even though it's been on tape. Um, yeah. Which again, just like a very, very easy dude to hate in golf. The sand, the sand video is, is, is great. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And I remember there, there's one from another tournament that you sent me where um, he's, he's uh, looking for his ball in the rough. And he has iron out and he's taking practice swings. And then they cut away from him to show another shot and they come back to his shot and he's got a fairway wooden hand. And the commentator is just like, 
Well, he had iron before because the lie wasn't good enough, but it looks like the lie has been significantly improved here. So he's got three wood. Oh, and it's, it's so good. Obvious, yes. It's obvious that he just fluffed that up. And the ball, like I like when he was looking for it, you could like the camera had to be above it. They cut it back and it's just like an egg on the top of the grass. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so good. So there's a, we need to maybe find that and post it in the email and send out the, um, send out the podcast link because there's a story that came out recently they actually did a full interview of like the guy i, I forget who the commentators are but obviously there's a guy down on the course and there's a guy like up in the booth and so they're like going back and forth and the guy down the course is just like I, I i forget exactly how like the back and forth went but yeah it comes back to him and he's just like well yeah like he's pulled a different club and that just simply isn't the lie that he had before <laughs> like he just comes out and says it like it's just oh god it's so it's so good but yeah uh definitely definitely easy guy to hate and along with along with Cantlay. so i think a, a good good pairing there i like it all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna give you my p reed group right now and it's sort of a weird like psychological and golf thing it's max homa and p reed and I just think they both could learn something from one another. And it would actually make, I think, Max a better golfer if he had some of Patrick Reed's uh, positive attitude qualities. Um, to all his assholeness, like P. Reed, big time Ryder Cup guy, nicknamed Captain America, like sh- major winner and sort of like loves the big crowds and the big moments and like thrives and flaunts in front of those. I just feel like Max does the opposite, shrinks. So you have a a case of somebody who's probably way too nice and way too good of a person. And then like his just his villain right there, like Batman and the Joker. So that's my sort of rationale there. And maybe P. Reed becomes, you know, he could use some just nice person in his life which is which is good too just i'm so i'm trying to look out for them personally and on the course but i think that would have been an interesting interesting pairing um yeah at least from a team chemistry standpoint i like that yeah and you think they both could like kind of help help each other out in in different ways sort of yeah that's that's where i see it like i like i just think i think max needs to learn something from patrick reed from big moments and maybe maybe that rubs off Maybe that rubs off. I have a very similar pairing in a second. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit about the team chemistry in these, as you're as you're going to see. That's that is that was my main line of thinking as well. Not necessarily best golf, but the yeah. team chemistry aspect is big. Everybody's okay. good at golf. Everybody's good at golf. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My next one. I'm going to go with. This was tough for me who to pair, like who to pick from these two. We joked like when we were doing this. Uh, this previously I joked about putting Rory and Phil together who just just like I in my mind I was trying to get like the most outspoken PGA guy with the most outspoken live guy but I want a little bit more game there so I think I'm going to go with uh, Rory and Cam Smith so if for a similar reason but also the like their personalities obviously we know like Rory we saw it at the Masters he is just like sweating everything obviously a little bit too much cam smith obviously is the complete complete opposite um we saw him play well at the masters he's not quite to the level obviously that we saw him you know last year with the major wins and everything like that uh but i think you know he could get sort of round the game back out and and he's just one of my 
favorite players. His his master's interview also was one of my favorite things to watch. I just love his personality and like the way he, he goes about everything. Almost like I don't want to say carefree. I mean, he does seem carefree, but like you can just tell he cares about like the right things. Like he cares about his game, but he's not, he's also like a hundred percent real, you know, he, like he, he talked about going out into the range for that first time. And he just really wasn't sure like how he was going to be received by like all these other PGA guys. And then he, he talked about how it, it just went super well. Like he, he was just happy to see people he hadn't seen in a long time. And, mm. and I could, I almost imagine that being like a very authentic and like real situation of like how that would play out. So sure. I think like he might be able to kind of relax Rory a little bit and, and the two of them together, obviously the game is there for both. So I can see that being a successful pairing. I love that. I love that. I'm a big Cam Smith fan. Uh, you keep, you keep putting together one half of my, my teams. So I'll just go on that same theme again. I have Cam Smith in one of my fantasy pairings, and it's Cam Smith and Tony Finau. And I have it in the same mold as the P. Reed and Max Homa uh, thing, except this was purely for golf reasons. I just think if you put uh, Cam Smith's game from inside 100 yards with Tony Finau's game everywhere else, you have like the most unbeatable golfer on planet Earth. So that was my that was my sort of rationale there. And then I just think, uh, you know, Cam Smith, just sort of a finisher and, and like a, and has shown like big time play in big time moments. Also, like something that Tony sort of lacks. And, and like I said, if you put if you gave Cam Smith like Tony Finau's like distance off the tee, like, again, I just think he'd be very tough to beat and then vice versa. So um, that's my next my next uh, pairing. But let me give you a fresh one. And uh, here's my here's my I think like we were talking about every tournament needs a villain. And this is my villain group. And this would sort of be like, if I'm on a Ryder cup team, I'm throwing these guys out first. Like if I'm behind on going into Sunday or I guess Saturday would be the last duos event. If I'm behind going to Saturday, I'm throwing these guys out first and I'm just throwing away the whole day. And it's uh Sergio Garcia and Patrick Cantlay. And I put Sergio 99 because Sergio's slow now, but around 1999, 2000, when he and Tiger were sort of battling, there was a stretch where he like readjusted the club over the ball like 800 times a shot. And it was a big, like, I sort of remember that being the Cantlay before the Cantlay. So that's my slow group. And I think you're literally talking six plus hours um, with those two on the course. So let's slow it right down. Let's get everybody on the, the team that's ahead frustrated. And that's sort of like our, our like, uh, I don't know, our, our like defense, our defense against Ali. I like that. Um, yeah, I so I, I thought about doing a slow group as well. I was going to do Cantlay with um, with J.B. Holmes, but J.B. Holmes is it's pretty much irrelevant at this point in the golfing world, so I just decided to leave him off my list. But yeah, so I went it, also like with some of these personalities, it's hard to know sometimes like if you're going to, should you go with like uh two guys who are going to like blow up on the course or yes. two guys who are just like boring or should you put like one of each? So I opted for the one of each method, but I'll tell you who my two blow up guys would have been if I went that route. So I was looking for someone to pair with Tyrrell Hatton and it was going to be Thomas Peters. But oh, I decided to go the opposite route and say, okay, let's give him Ricky Fowler, who's been playing really well lately, but nice. also just always seems to, be like in control of his emotions, very like steady, goes about his work. I think, you know, almost like to a fault, Ricky Fowler, right? Like I think he could use a little bit more like 
competitive fire. And I think Tyrrell Hatton can sort of provide that. But like when Tyrrell Hatton's about to snap a club over like some dude in the stands, <laughs> like neck, like Ricky can maybe rein it back in. So I think yeah. that'll kind of play play nicely off each other. I love that, dude. We didn't rehearse this, right? Because I have literally the same thought in a in a pairing that I have. Yeah. I yeah, have who'd you go Horschel, with? Billy Horschel and Jason Day. And that was sort okay, of yeah, like sure. some dude that's going to fly off the rails and then some dude that's going to be Zen, just calm, visualizing shit, like slowing it right down. And I just, yeah, the, the image of like an O'Billy tantrum while like Jason Day is just like, like eyes closed behind the ball, just like meditating, just sort of cracked me up. So that was my, that was like my calm and crazy, uh, my calm and crazy group. But I, we were talking about like how this would actually look on the course. When you said your Phil Rory group that you didn't end up using, how do you think that actually goes in real life? Do you think that is, I see two scenarios, either total silence or just chirping the entire time. And I don't know which one I'm going with. I feel like it could be with this version of Phil, like just a totally silent, like never make eye contact, never address each other play the entire 18 holes in complete solitude and then come back. Yeah. I think that would actually be like probably the more likely scenario given this like more recent Phil, obviously he's, he's had like some of the comments obviously didn't go over very well. He's been very quiet since then. So it's like not the same Phil we had like, you know, before that, but if you were to pair it with that Phil, I think it could be like must see TV pretty much. Yes. Cause like Rory, I don't know if it would go well or if it would just be an absolute disaster. Cause I could see Rory getting like very annoyed with that, kind of, yes. <laughs> that kind of talk. Yes. Uh, but I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I really just wanted like the, just the whole like live piece you know like if they could just play like one of those those like matches where they mic them up for the whole time just so i mean i'm sure none of that stuff would come out but it just i don't know that i feel like that would just be so great to listen to there needs to be i know this is also something that'll never happen but there needs to be a pga versus live like pay-per-view event like weekend these guys have to find this common ground and just make the most money that they could possibly make in a golf tournament for each other I would pay so much money to see like a Phil Rory Sunday singles or like, you know, pick your guy P Reed, like P Reed Rory, basically anybody versus Rory. Like, ah, oh, they got to do that. They never will, but they have to. Yeah. Oh, that sure. would also be fun to fun to fantasy draft too, which is why I was thinking about it. But yep. back to the pairs, um, your turn or my turn, your turn, your turn, your turn. Okay, next I have, this is a little from the heart, but, and also saddened by some injury news, but oh. I'm going with Cam Young and, and Will Zalatoris, two, two Wake, Wake Forest guys, a couple runner-ups from last year. Uh, just my hope for the future, you know, I'm, I'm big, very big fans of both of them, both um, Will Z had the runner-up at the U.S. Open, Cam had it at the uh, British Open. So I'm just hoping for big things out of them and just crazy to think that the two of them were come from the same program uh, is just unreal. I mean, I Cam Young, obviously very disappointing at the uh, RPC, but to watch him hit three wood, like whatever he hits it, like 280, 290 is just insane. Like uh, he just how much power he's able to generate. I, I just really like watching him play. He doesn't seemingly have 
too much of a weakness in his game. Um, so just excited about the future for them as well. I can't understand how he does that pause. Like I've tried that pause just messing around and like it, it, first of all, I can't make contact with the ball, but it like slows me down so much. I don't understand how he's able to create that much distance with like holding the club for a second. I don't know. And phys- you're physics guy, right? Like that releases the kinetics back there. If I'm picturing that correctly, is that a, is that a sound physics theory? For, for me, I feel like, I don't know, just from like my own experience of swinging a golf club, I feel like, especially with driver, the, faster i bring it back the harder i can swing it like i just feel like i'm just kind of like winding myself up and now it doesn't always have a good result but like if i'm really trying to (laughs) pump the ball out there as far as i can like that's the way to do it so yeah i don't quite understand some of these guys who like have this the pause in their swing and how they sort of regenerate some of that power yeah like sung jay or hideki Hideki, yeah yeah all right well he's super talented um, this group is not as talented, but this is my, when I was sort of thinking about it, like the group that I might most want to join and just play around with. And it's John Daly and Jose Maria Olathabal. And what I have in my head is John Daly throwing back like 12 beers and Olathabal on like seven cigars on the front nine. And that's like my, like, that's the group I want to have at like my bachelor party group right there. Both good players in their own right as well, like both multiple time winners. But I know like John Daly, obviously, like it just goes without saying, like he has a drink named after him. He's got multiple stories of like, you know, drinking 12 beers, 15 beers, 20 beers on the course. Um, And then, yeah, Jose Maria with the ponytail, with the cigars, like just, yeah, legend there. So that's that's sort of my uh, my funnest group that I could throw together. So I had a couple that didn't quite make the cut, but you just bringing that up reminded me of them. So I had I bring um I had some of like the father son events come to mind that we've seen. So like I wanted to pair like Tiger with somebody, but like someone else's son. And John Daly's son is the first like one that came to yeah, mind, just because I think that would be so <laughs> funny. Like seeing Tiger, obviously, like we know how he carries himself on the course, like very stoic, like all business. And then John right. Daly's son in like the Hooters pants, like the cigars, yeah. like <laughs> just an amazing duo. And then I had another one that also didn't quite make the cut, but I was thinking about pairing Tiger Woods with Patrick Reed because obviously we've referenced on this pod, like the, the, the differences. Before all this, like, you know, the lawsuit. Oh, maybe now. Yeah. Maybe now it's different, but that would be. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I got like you. P Prison Reed day. was. Yeah. Like P Reed was like wearing the, the Sunday red while Tiger wasn't playing. Like, you know, obviously a big fan. So yeah, I would just be interested to see out to see how it like played out when they like playing together. Tiger's just like, come on, man. Like what's going on with this, with this lawsuit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you che- and like, can you just admit that you cheated, please? <laughs> he finally just lets out all like the pent up frustration. Um, no, dude, to touch on P. Reed again, did you see that uh, Justine is officially outed as the um, the use golf facts Twitter account? Okay. Oh, I, did not, I didn't know that was official. I know that was rumored to be her for a long, very long period of time. But she, yeah. did, she did not announce it, but there's this picture of uh, there. I'm going to get all these details mix, uh, mixed up. So don't fact check me here, but this is sort of the theme of how she outed herself is that there was like this article written about her and Patrick Reed at some game where 
that either they didn't get good enough seats or they were sitting like by themselves. And then Patrick Reed was at a uh, XFL game um, over the weekend. And there were some shots of him just in a row by himself. And uh, somebody brought up that story like as like, a, oh, this is not the first time Patrick Reed has sat by himself or something, something of that nature. And then the Use Golf Facts account like had a photo of like Patrick Reed uh, and then like Dustin Johnson and Mark Leishman and some other guys that were at the XFL game too. <laughs> so it could only have been taken by his wife because she was the only other person in the camera view. Uh, okay. So again, sense. don't, don't, I, I the, like the stories about that being like the magazine and story are not probably not accurate, but it is yeah. in that general, general vicinity of being. Now, so the first time I heard rumors about that, this was probably like at least a year, maybe even two years ago now is that Patrick Reed wore, this is before live or anything like that. He wore like this shirt. And one of the guys that I listened to, I listen to his podcast regularly. He just like buried him on Twitter for like wearing this shirt. Like said it was the most hideous thing he's ever seen. Like blah, 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 whatever. And then use golf facts just like comes at him. Like, just like <laughs> So that's like when it, he was like, wait, is this like a member of his family? And like, then it just started, like everything started surfacing. But the funniest thing was then he, the guy that does the podcast and like, he does some like live video stuff as well. He bought the shirt and then wore, it like on his next show like the the following week after that was super funny yeah but yeah no i didn't know that had been uh quote confirmed so that's good good to hear i hope it's true yeah has to be true there's like literally one person that defends him on planet earth but all right was that um that comes from i got i got one more i got yeah go ahead let me hear this is my this is my just aesthetics couple is fred couples and ernie l's and it's just swing aesthetics is like the smoothest tempo with like two guys who hit it so far, like in their day and both hit it so far now, by the way, Ernie Ells made the cut at the heritage. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. That was uh, that was pretty cool to see, but just like, yeah, my all tempo team in terms of like prettiest, smoothest swings. Is on. Maybe uh, as an alt, you mentioned, uh, Chris Kirk, I think as well, right? Chris Kirk was in that possibly an awesome. I went through. I went through a few of these here, but yeah, I settled on the two old timers. I got them in the same same age group, like just same era. But yeah, there are a few people. Max Homa for his, you know, is is in that in that conversation as well. But as un, as unfunny as he may be, that's right. That's right. That's right. I felt. I've honestly felt like worse and worse about even like jokingly making fun of how not funny he is. Because like literally every interview, every, any person, either in the media or a golfer or like a fan, all they talk about is how nice of a guy he is. And it just makes me feel, literally feel worse about just, I'm not even like really serious. I actually really like his golf game, but it's just sort of fun because everybody likes him. And now it makes me feel guilty about fake hating him. It's bad. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's. I'm happy that that happened though, like towards the beginning of the birth of this podcast. Cause now it's just yeah. like continu- continuous, uh, running material. Yeah, so I can't, I can't jump off hating him now. Like, right. It's oh, too, I'm we've come gonna, too I'm going to roll with it. All right. All right. You got any others? Nah, I think that's it for me. Cool. The only other, other ones I had in consideration are two. I had just Brooks and DJ, but they've like actually played together. So it's not even fun. It's just like sort yeah. of the all meathead group. But I put cool. uh, I put those two together as well, uh, but kind of left them off my list of stuff to mention. But yeah, that, that would be a cool team to watch as well. I uh, I asked Katie for her pick. Like, sh- just give me two golfers you think would be good together. And she was like, who are like the best looking golfers? And I was like, oh, you tell me. 
Yeah. What do you think her she, all, all well, I remember. So I, I remember said all from, aesthetics. I remember from her from the podcast, she said Tony Finau. That is one of them. Yeah. Second, this was a surprise to me, but it fits not only from a golf perspective, but from just a, if I'm if I were gonna take a stab at it, just guys who look similar to Tony Finau, I would say Figua, maybe, but I don't she probably doesn't even know who that is. No, she doesn't. It was John Rom. <laughs> She went female. Okay. And I was like, all right, all right, at least you got like the Masters champ. I saw something on Sunday morning. I don't know if I mentioned this previously. The Sunday morning of the Masters, it was like, John, which was on Easter Sunday. It said, uh, John Rahm kind of looks like an Easter egg. Could be a difference maker today. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of true. Like he's very round. <laughs> he is a really like a really thick individual with a few seeds, but it works. Shit works. Shit works. All right. Yeah. I got a, uh, I got nothing else. That was fun. That was fun to sort of, to sort of do that for for a little bit. Um, I was trying to get a guest on to do it with us, but I'm glad we just got that, uh, just rapid fire like that. Um, oh, yeah, that was good for sure. So, uh, what off from the pool this week? So, we'll all the survivor pools are out this week. Yep. Little mental break, and then we are back with the Mexico Open the following week. All, all right. right, sounds good. Cool, man. All right. Talk to you later, dude. See you next week. All right, later.